It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Well, we had an, an unexpected treat, I guess is the best word for it. Uh, one of my dear friends, the man who will preach my funeral, assuming he's not the one who kills me. Uh, and even then, I'd probably still let him do it. But he called. He happens to be running for president. And he, he called in the aftermath of the first debate in Wisconsin and said, uh, let's chat. Let's chat on your podcast. So. Yes, today is Thursday. Yes, today is the day that you get to hear Mary Langston's angelic cadence. Uh, but you'll have to wait till next week for that. This week, we are joined in a bonus edition of the podcast with Senator Tim Scott. And next week, we will be back with your questions. And for all of you who stop me at airports all across America and say, we don't really like you, but we really do like Mary Langston. She'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy my conversation with presidential aspirant Senator Tim Scott. This is exciting for me. I didn't see this one coming. It kind of kind of came up suddenly, uh, like lots of good things in life do. I had a friend said, look, I'm I'm willing to come on your podcast. I, I I know you need some help with your ratings, so let me let me come on your podcast. And and you're probably sitting there thinking, well, Trey, you probably have more than one friend. I do. Ha- I do have. I got a couple. Uh, I got friends that don't know how to call into a podcast, so you can rule them out. I've got friends that only get one phone call a day, and my advice to them is to is to place that call to to their lawyer. I've got friends that aren't up yet. I do have one friend that is actually running to be the president of the United States. Andy was on the debate stage in Wisconsin, and he'll be on subsequent debate stages. And I had some questions I wanted to ask him, and I'm trying to channel what questions you might have for someone who is running to be the leader of the free world. So with that, if you hadn't guessed it already, the senator from the great state of South Carolina, Tim Scott, how are you? Congressman, it's always good to be with you. It's good to see your face. I hope you're doing great. You're funny as a Dickens, though. I must concede, you are one of the funniest guys in all of show business. Well, I don't know what I said that was funny. Everything I said was true. That's what makes you funny. (laughs) Everything I said was true. All right, I'm going to start off with something easy. You're an introspective guy. What did you learn about yourself? Now, before I get you to answer that, you spoke at the Republican National Convention, and there were a lot of eyeballs on you. About 18 million in the uh, the aftermath, I think, of the Republican Convention. You think about the rebuttal to President Biden's first address. Um, we've had some big events, absolutely. I would say those are a little bit different because almost, I mean, you were asked to do that. 
You didn't volunteer. You were asked. Kevin McCarthy wanted you to give the response. Mitch McConnell wanted you to give the response. President Trump wanted you to speak at the convention. What did you learn about yourself being on that debate stage with seven other people who may not always have your best interest in mind? You know, almost no one on a debate stage besides yourself has your best interest in mind. And frankly, the rules that they will follow are not the rules that have been set. That was one of the lessons that I took. It, and I'm, I'm going to follow the rules as I understand them uh, to the extent that I can. That was one of the lessons I learned. I actually don't regret following the rules. I do regret watching the chaos that ensued because the rules weren't followed uh, or enforced, frankly. And, and so to, for me, that was a challenging situation to watch unfold. It's one of the reasons why I spoke up and said, the people that benefit the most from chaos on the stage typically are those running an opposite party and the media that monetizes the conflict amongst Republicans at a very high dollar amount. And so the real winners Wednesday night, no matter what we read, is Joe Biden's campaign and America's national media that benefits from watching Republicans have a food fight. And frankly, it's not over because one day in the future, Part of that food fight will be a part of the TV commercials of those who want the road to socialism to run right through the Republican Party. Adding fuel to that fire, to me, uh, the consequences are too high. The, the game is too serious to play that. But moving forward, I will take the lessons from that exchange and remember that the rules that are stated are not necessarily the rules to be followed. Though so you can do the contrast that is necessary for people to understand the differences between the candidates, you can do that without uh, actually yelling, screaming, and throwing just barbs at each other. You're listening to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. More of my conversation with Senator Tim Scott right after this. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. You raise a lot of fascinating points. I'm to the point in life where, thankfully, no one cares what I think about major issues anymore. But I have been a longtime critic of our debate structure. As you know, I like to watch college sports. There was a longer answer given when they asked a commentator a couple of days ago who the leading candidates to be the Heisman Trophy winner. There were no time limits. So, I mean, look, I care who the Heisman Trophy winner is, I guess, but there are no time limits. We want you to talk about the economy, war, foreign policy, entitlement reform, education, crime, and you got about 60 seconds, maybe. There's a difference between good theater, good television, in terms of entertainment. It is entertaining to watch that. Like the gladiator ring was entertaining. Absolutely. I just can't help but think there's a better way to like vet leaders of the free world than in 60 and 90 second increments. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. There's no doubt that one of the benefits of having a eight person debate is it's good for ratings when they fight with each other. There's no doubt people are entertained. Uh, part of the challenge that I look back in the rearview mirror of the last uh, few election cycles is that we have had some really entertaining folks 
uh, running for office. And unfortunately, the Democrats keep cleaning our clocks. I would take that into consideration as I think about seven out of eight national losses. I think about the absolute implosion in 2022, preventable from my perspective. But when when personalities and populism is the name of the game, principles will always be the price that we pay. And the cost long term will be even higher than the price of the loss of our principles. It's the loss of the impact that those principles bring to our nation. You know, I want to stress something you just said. I've said it myself. It's just fewer people listen when I say it than when you say it. We hear these words about, you know, generational, transgenerational change. I don't know how you do that without the popular vote and the Electoral College. It is true the Electoral College gives you the right to govern. It does not bestow a mandate on you. And it is Republicans have not done well. It's almost like we have a rule that you can't win the popular vote. <laughs> you, you are one of the few candidates that I hear talking about the need to not simply run the Electoral College gauntlet, but to actually build like a movement, a movement for change. Yes. Well, it's because the truth of the matter is that America's we are at our best when the ideal of who we are, the idea of what we stand for, the principles on which we stand are forefront and made center. I've heard it said a thousand times, I've said it myself, we are a great nation because we are fundamentally good. For us to remain fundamentally good, we have to understand the things and the principles that undergird our goodness. And if we want to watch the implosion of our values and then just complain about it on the sidelines of defeat, one of the best ways to watch that is to have chaos lead the way, to have only personalities lead the way. That is going to be very hard because ultimately the loss of our principles come not because our voters are sick and tired of winning. That has not happened yet. It is because the left has decided to focus on winning at all costs, and that means America loses without doubt. And we are distracted by the food fight as opposed to getting back to the principles that the vast majority of Americans still agree with. That the good news is from a principle perspective, we are the majority party. Winning elections, we are in the minority. And with that minority comes significant changes to our values and an absolute explosion in our spending. Let me say it this way, Trey. Everyone remembers January 6, 2021. I was in the Senate. Uh, one of the uh, challenges that we faced in the, my life being threatened. But January the 5th was really important, too. We had two Senate seats, January 5th, 2021, up for grabs. We only needed one, and we lost both. In a state where the governor and every other statewide elected office was won by Republicans, saved uh, the loss of the U.S. Senate race uh, later on. But think about 2021, January 5th, 2021. What happened? Well, we lost both races. And as a result, $4 trillion of spending ensued because we didn't have the votes to block it from happening. So you yeah, want to know that it's victory. It's zero, comparatively speaking, to the price of defeat, which is $4 trillion. The difference is on the backs of taxpayers 
and unborn Americans who now owe $95,000, $100,000 when they're born to the U.S. government. Yeah, n- not only were those Republican senators on the ballot uh, that January, they were both incumbents. They're incumbents in a runoff where the whole world knew the balance of the Senate was on the ballot. Yes. We would not know, no offense to the your colleague from West Virginia, but we would not know Joe Manchin's name. If yes. Republicans had just won a single one of those incumbent races. So you go back and say, well, how did you lose? I mean, the stuff they were talking about leading up to that runoff is not what was on the minds of most Georgians. I think that's how you lose. But you raise another point I've got, I've got to ask you about. So you and I are both sports nuts. I watch a lot of golf. golf golf's one of these sports where... You go off in the woods to hit your ball, and you call a penalty on yourself. Nobody saw the I, ball move. N- nobody saw it. The, the ball could just oscillate. Maybe change its position, you call a penalty on yourself. But you and I also watch football, where get away with it as long as you can. If you can hold the I, receiver, if you can interfere. So I want to go back to the rules. To me, it says something about the character of the people who want to lead us, whether or not they will follow the rules. But I'm, I think I'm in the minority. I, I think yes. most people watching the debate say, if you can do it and get away with it, do it. Yeah, the way I look at it, Trey, without any question, I was on the base stage. Uh, realized, I realized that while I was on the stage, by the way, that I could score more points by being more salacious by being offensive and insulting, yet saying nothing, or I could try to focus on what I believe is in the American people's best interest. I chose the latter, not the former, but the more insults you throw, the more time you receive, the more the person you insulted responds to you, the more time you get to respond to them. But the only thing that's not happening during that chaos is a conversation about why Joe Biden has led to 16% inflation. And as a result, the Federal Reserve has had 12 increases in the interest rates, which means that this year, buying the same house two years ago, now between 50 and 70% higher. It means you don't talk about the lost spending power of the average family of thousands upon thousands of dollars. It means that you don't talk about the importance of the tax cut and jobs act and how we were able to lower Unemployment for minorities, African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians to all-time low for women for a 70-year low or the majority population to a 50-year low. It means that you don't have a serious conversation about how you tame America's national debt that has exploded under Joe Biden. You, You don't have a conversation about do we think that men should play sports against men. We don't have a conversation about the fact that the labor force participation rate for men is at an all-time low. Instead, we have a conversation about your favorite rap song or, or, or how you respond to someone saying this about you or how the governor who thinks that spending is too high begs for money from the government that is too high. I mean, instead of having that conversation that creates a contrast on the stage, you miss some really important issues. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, some of those quips were kind of like drive by shootings to me. I mean, you, you, you got to give 
I don't be careful what I say here, but w- w- when you ask for money and then criticize the person for actually giving you the money, I, I mean, that warrants, I think, a little bit of response to P- people have the impression that presidential candidates are surrounded by dozens, if not hundreds of people, and that you constantly have this support system. I have the opposite sense that it may be the loneliest thing in the world to run for president. That It could be the loneliest feeling. Most of us are never going to run to be the president of the United States. What is it like? Is it is it lonely? Is it exhilarating? Is it educational? All of the above. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say the first thing that it is, it's a test of your faith, uh, your faith in God, your faith in your nation and your faith in your fellow man. The one thing I've, I will have, let's say I, I've learned through this process is faith in God is crucial. Uh, whatever you stand on, let it be the rock that never changes. Let, let it be something that is timeless. Those principles that govern are so important. But one of the lessons I've learned from you, Trey, is that I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. If winning at all costs is how we measure success, the nation loses without doubt. The only question is when. You're willing to run for something and lose. It might be the greatest testament to faith you can give to a country to watch. As you've said before, our heroes have all lost, whether it's Jesus to a voice vote to Barabbas, whether it's MLK, ML King or Abraham Lincoln, our great greatest leaders of all time have all lost. But for what purpose did they sacrifice their lives and suffer losses in the public forum, but victory in eternity? That's an important question from my perspective. The second thing I'd say is that you learn a lot about America. And one of the things I've learned about America is that Americans are strong, that the average person in the average place there's this metal, this resiliency, this grit that is alive and well, and it, and it lets you lean into tomorrow with a little more optimism, even if you're scared to admit it. But the government is weak. As some candidates suggest that America is a nation in decline, that these are dark days. The government is in decline, but the American people are weak. Under Joe Biden, we find ourselves, Trey, in this retreat. We're retreating from our values. We're retreating from work. We're retreating from free markets and capitalism. But we can just get a new leader and turn the retreat around and head in the right direction. That, that's the blessing that I've learned being on the campaign trail. And the final thing I say I've, I've learned on the campaign trail as well yeah, there, there, you, can, you can be surrounded by experts, but at the end of the day, if it is to be, it's up to me. That's great news, though. You get to figure out how to handle the challenges that come your way. You get to figure out how to deal with the daily grind. You get to figure out how to deal with yourself when you're tired and a little irritable. The good news is the stronger your faith, the better off you'll be. I'll say this way, Trey. The stronger your why, why you're doing what you're doing, the clearer the what, what you need to do to accomplish your goal, the easier the how to get it done. And for me, uh, you know me well, the mission has to be more important than the position. More of my conversation with 2024 Republican presidential candidate, Senator Tim Scott, is coming up. I'm going to 
ask you a multi-part question and then I'm going to ask you one more question and then I'm going to let you go because I don't want you to become irritated with me. So <laughs> I, I, I've actually, I don't think I've ever seen you irritated. Maybe once, maybe once. Maybe and frankly, yeah. Job would have been irritated. That particular person would <laughs> irritate Christ. So I, yeah. you are not easily irritated. But if I were running the debate, which you may rest right. assured will never happen, that will never happen. But this is what I would say. Wow. So if Halle Berry had an identical twin, literally an identical twin, we would have no idea which one asked her the prom. There's just no difference. Well, They're absolutely identical. So I like contracts. You have it. I yes. like contracts. So I'm going to give you some options. Yeah. I want you to think about right now. I want you to think about the people in the Republican primary, both those that were on stage and those that were not on stage. And here are the categories that I okay. would ask you. I would say, are there under the heading of contrast, not conflict, but contrast? Are there policy differences? Are there priority differences. In other words, we believe sort of the same things, but I prioritize the issues a little bit differently. Are there performance differences, electability differences, or execution differences? And what I mean by that is if there are no differences in taxes, economy, spending, education, then we got to move to electability and execution, whether or not you're actually going to follow through. But I'm a big contrast guy, so I want to yeah. know the differences between Chris Christie and Mike Pence on the issues. But I'm going to ask Tim Scott, do you see differences between yourself and other candidates on policies, issues, priorities, execution, electability? Yeah, I, I certainly do. So uh, I'll give you two great quick examples. Uh, number one, I think the issue of life is a really important issue for our nation. And frankly, there is a stark difference between my position on supporting a 15-week limit and three of the other major candidates who do not support a federal uh, limit. And so to me, if you're a pro-life governor, but you have no federal limit, that makes you a pro-choice president. It's that clear. And whether that's Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, or Vivek Ramaswamy, they, they all three have a similar position that the federal government should not interfere uh, in abortions from a state to state perspective. I vehemently disagree with that position. I think if you're going to be a supporter of life, you have to make that as one of the priorities that you're willing to fight to accomplish. A 15-week limit, in my opinion, is a absolute essential component of my presidency because I believe that you should never back down on the issues that matter the most to you. And for me, the issue of life is one of those issues. Second thing I say is that uh, being a chief executive is really important. I think being a governor is, is an example. I think a better example of being a chief executive is when you put your own skin in the game, not your mama's money, not your daddy's money, but your money into the game of entrepreneurship. That distinction is really important. Being a small business owner gives you a chance to be everything from the janitor to the CEO, to the human resource department, to the legal department, to the marketing and sales department, to the research and development department. The fact of the matter is if you really wanna understand how to run anything, 
run it all. And then you have an understanding and appreciation for what it takes to do what it is that entrepreneurs, millions across this country do every single day, not because they want a bigger profit, because they appreciate being free and in charge of their own lives, having the opportunity to sign the front of the paycheck for their neighbors and their friends, and they can't sign the back of the paycheck for themselves because the money uh, runs shorter than the month. Uh, I'd say other uh, areas of, of differences would be on how we deal with foreign policy. Uh, a lot of candidates today, uh, what they say now versus what they said uh, earlier, the best debate would be to watch candidate A debate themselves because of the two positions they've taken on a number of the underlying issues. Uh, that would be a fascinating uh, video to watch. Uh, from an electability standpoint, Without any question, I am the most electable person on the stage and the one person that the radical left fears the most because, number one, God wastes no characteristics. Number two, America is in the middle of a very divisive time and race and class are two really important considerations of why we're seeing such polarization in this nation. Now, the radical left uses and weaponizes race and class in a powerful way, but sometimes our side is so quiet on the issues that we seem to be complicit with the weaponization of race uh, against people who are vulnerable as well. Here's what we should have. We should have leaders who want to take a stand and have a serious debate and conversation about the underlying issues that's putting pressure on the average family. And if we had that conversation, I think we'd find ourselves in the best position moving forward. I'd finally say that from a, a likability slash electability perspective, I think there are a few very likable candidates on the stage. I believe that as I talked about the characteristics that the good Lord never wastes, uh, the truth of my life disproves the lies of the radical life better than any other candidate. Having been raised in a single parent household, mired in poverty as an African-American born in the deep South, in the one city where the Civil War started, to rise to the place where I'm able to run for president after having real doubts about the future, my own future, to have that story play out today when three out of four African-American kids are growing up in single-parent households, where 40% of white kids and working-class families are growing up in a single-parent household. To see the disillusionment that are, is so readily available, hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Bible says. I can restore hope and create opportunities because I've lived it. I've also written the most fundamental transformational policies in our lifetime economically. I'd put that up against anybody. All right. I'm going to let you go with this one question. I, I, I guess I was up there with you for eight years. You were in the House for part of that. You were in the Senate for the other part of that. I, I know uh, a lot of your colleagues on both sides of the aisle. I've never heard even a Democrat never even a liberal Democrat say anything remotely approaching that Tim Scott was bought and paid for by special interest. Never, never heard people who disagree with you on every issue and frankly don't want to see you win re-election. They've never said that. Right. So I'm watching the debate and albeit a newcomer to the Republican Party, nonetheless, a, a Republican presidential candidate, says that. Yeah. And I want to crawl through the television set, except I can't afford to pay the hotel back for breaking the, breaking <laughs> the television. Yes, sir. 
So I know that you who have built you know, a reputation for 50 something years, I know that you wanted to respond. You got California coming up. You got other debates. How do you decide what rises to the level of wait a minute? Wait just a blank minute. And I'll say blank because you don't cuss. And I do. But my wife's asked me to stop. So wait a yeah. blank minute. Yeah. You know, Trey, that's a great question. A, a couple of responses. You know, he, he certainly, Vivek certainly spoke about all of us being bought and paid for on the stage. It sounds like a crime to me, unethical, immoral, and frankly, unrealistic. Uh, campaign contributions say who supports me, not who I support. People know that consistently. Vivek is, 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 is a good showman. Uh, one who, uh, he reminds me of, he's watched a lot of Muhammad Ali uh, videos or something. He thinks he floats like a butterfly and stands like a bee. There ain't no flies on the vague Ali. But, you know, the, the bottom line is this, uh, that at the end of the day, you know, I, I saw and heard what he said and thought to myself that it speaks so much about him and so little about me that responding to it in a general sense would not be a waste of time. But in 30 seconds, it would take me longer to get to the actual conclusion. Because I think poisoning the well is what his goal was. And um, he, he's, he's just a showman that much of what he says, that's probably a debate we would all enjoy watching. The vague, the woke corporate CEO versus the vague, the now anti-woke presidential candidate or the guy who puts the millions uh, in his coffers personally and then attacks others for taking contributions. It, it, it would just be an interesting conversation to watch between Vivek now and Vivek just a couple of years ago, who says the 2016 election was fundamental transformational, but didn't vote in it. Um, so you just say, you have to realize that there's so much that you can say that I didn't say, because at the end of the day, uh, I wanted to remain as civil on the stage as possible, focus on the issues. And I've been attacked so much straight. Listen, I, I had a guy that got out of jail, he, he was a racist, who, who, who was looking for a way to kill me. So from my perspective, I, I, I get attacked so often that I look at those attacks as distractions from the underlying point on why I'm running for president or why I ran for the Senate. I did so because I, I have this strong desire to serve people because when I was at my lowest, the best stood up and, and showed me a better way. And to the extent that I can do that, that is my goal. I mean, I can, as you know, you were in the room when I had that debate conversation with the person who you said would irritate Christ. My ability to swing back is not missing. And I won't say next time on the stage, I won't swing back because I, frankly, I'm, I'm just might do it. But at the end of the day, what I will do is honor, honor the good Lord with how I do what I do. And sometimes you do need to take the whip out and clean out the synagogue or the temple. Well, here's my little piece of unsolicited advice, because I'm worried about your health. If you do watch that debate, one of your opponents debating himself or herself on particular issues, don't do it in Ukraine or Taiwan, because you may have Russian and Chinese tanks rolling over your head if you watch that debate particularly one of your opponents who, uh, for the life of me, I cannot understand what his foreign policy is. But Well, here's what we do know. 
it's, it's foreign policy seems to treat allies like assets. And once you get all you can out of them, you stamp an expiration date on funding Israel at 2028 or Taiwan based on microchips or solving problems by giving Russia whatever they want. Sounds like a way to uh, actually plant seeds for future terrorists, in my opinion, that will fight against you. And frankly, and or we can our greatest democracies in the Middle East Israel. We should stand shoulder to shoulder with Israel until Jesus comes back the second time. Uh, we should be with Taiwan shoulder to shoulder because we are a country committed to our allies. They're not assets that we just figure out how to bankroll until we get enough out of them. We make long-term decisions as the greatest nation on earth. Yeah, everything cannot be transactional. Uh, you got a month before California. Really- I'm guessing you're crisscrossing you still have a day job too, don't you? I mean, don't y'all are back in session, I guess, in September? Tuesday uh, we're back and be on the road tomorrow and Thursday, crisscrossing throughout Iowa. And uh, I was in New Hampshire a few days ago and I did four stops in South Carolina yesterday. You know college football starting, don't you? <laughs> Saturday night, the Gamecocks, 730. <laughs> the Gamecocks in North I know you want some votes in North Carolina, but that primary is a long ways off. I know we're both pulling for South Carolina, or I'll just say it for myself. All right, so brother. I'll see you soon. You take care of yourself. Thank you so much, and thank you all for listening. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.